Welcome back to Silk Flowers and Paper Mache Hearts. We are your hosts, Eric Hart and Ashley Flowers. This week we got Paxton Downard again. Uh, we talked with him last week. This is Property Master in Vancouver on Batwoman, The 100, and a number of other shows Battlestar Galactica, Stargate, various movies of the week, like you were just saying. But <laughs> <laughs> let's All get sorts. right to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to be here. It's fun, fun talking to you. I want to know more about Vancouver because it feels like it's been like, just the mecca of of sci-fi television shows since i want to say x-files or um so what's it like working in that town i mean are there always cool projects to pick from well the industry here has had its ups and downs over the years um there's been times one of them is now where there's zero projects to choose from um but yes, we have okay. a pretty reliable reputation <laughs> uh, for for having solid crews and being able to you know achieve um, achieve what the what the producers ultimately want, which is uh, you know good looking television, and not just in sci fi, but you know there's a lot of, a lot of uh, studios, Netflix, a lot of studios have invested in space here, and uh, you know they they've set up shop. We also have really predictable tax credits, uh, the exchange rate between the Canadian and U.S. dollar plays a huge role in uh, in making it uh, affordable for producers to come here. Mm-hmm. And uh, sci-fi-wise, well, Warner Brothers brings a lot of sci-fi uh, to Vancouver. They, uh, you know, they just seem to keep making new shows. And uh, so for me, there was always been enough work around um, as I went through prop building, mm-hmm. as I went through uh, learning production and becoming a prop master, there's always been production going on. And that's everything from like blockbuster movies and just like huge swath of U.S. network television. And then, you know, independent movie of the week, so I was saying last week, all the way down to just indie features and web series. There's a huge culture production here. It's been around since the 1980s. I think what MacGyver was one of the sort of like hallmark first series that was filmed here and um local production i'm not sure if you're familiar with the beach combers no it, it was a it was a, a tv show about uh some guys who ripped around in boats on the west coast of canada uh, i think it, they produced it in the 70s and 80s uh, it was very very popular here and every now and then you'll be working with someone and be like oh, i worked on beach combers and it's like oh that guy worked on beach combers um so the, the industry, the <laughs> industry the here yeah yeah the the industry here's you know sort of been around for a long time um like i said it's had its ups and downs right now it's going through just a uh, before covid came we were hitting production levels that we'd never seen before and um you know we work in a union environment but there if you could find somebody who was skilled wanted to show up to work on time and uh, you could try them out like it was just so busy. The, the, the rosters here have expanded just exponentially. And uh, so it's been a really fun time. There's been a lot of work. Um, economically, it's a huge industry. And, you know, the producers seem to like it. So we're lucky. Now, are all the, the studios and sound stages in a sort of the same location in the city? Or are they all spread out? You could have said that 10 years ago, um, that they were sort of in the Vancouver Burnaby area. When I started doing episodic television, working for our national broadcaster, CBC, I would drive to a place called Aldergrove, which was about 45 minutes from my house, which seemed like 
crazy considering some of the studios are like 15, 10 minutes from my house. Um, as the years have gone by, it's been less the low budget productions out there. Netflix, sci-fi, they've all built big studios out there. So yeah, all across the lower mainland, there's studios now. They're kind of centered around Langley, which is a city about half hour, 40 minutes. Um, and then in Vancouver. And uh, But there's there's movie studios here, there, and everywhere. And is your your shop close to the studios? Uh, relatively, yes. You know, with location filming, sometimes your studio could be here, but you're having to go to the complete other side of the planet. So um, we have we have a separate shop, right. yeah, um, which isn't uh, with the studio. So it's it's closer to downtown, which is great. Batwoman, we're filming nights downtown all the time. Streets closed off, car chases, yeah. and shootouts, and stuff like that. So that's. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very mobile industry up here. You know, um, the jobs centered in the studios downtown are sort of more coveted. Although, you get a great job out in the valley, and you just do the drive. So it sounded like uh, in the last episode, you're kind of self-taught. Is that true? I think so. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I had access to a garage that had a lot of fantastic tools in it, and uh, so yeah, I'd make stuff mm-hmm. and fix my bikes. Um, so I guess I probably had an aptitude for it. I put a couple cars together when I was, uh, you know, when I was like 15, 16 years old, really wanted to be a photographer. That's what I wanted to be in high school. Uh, and I did, I spent about 10 years making a living as a photographer. And it was, it was kind of easy to transition away from it. When I traveled a lot, it was an exciting job. Um, when I had to settle down in Vancouver, I quickly realized Vancouver was not a great city to be a photographer in. Um, and that's when I found film and I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But I, you know, I, in the slow times of photography, I'd worked in cabinet shops, you know, and I, I, I kind of, I could use tools, but uh, yeah, the finer points of all of it, self-taught with some amazing mentors. I could say that there's so many times you'd be doing something. So I'd be like, ah, oh, do it that way. Or let's do this. Or have you ever heard of this? And you'd be like, no. And they'd be like, well, you're going to learn it. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of like the, the mentorship sort of way, right? Like everybody's sharing their, their experiences and their craft. Um, you know, you do that with your blog, you know, for years, I would uh, go yeah. to your blog and just be like, oh, that's how you made that. That's how you made that. Um, <laughs> I got your book. I'm actually, I bought your book a bunch of times because people oh, keep good. stealing it from my office. <laughs> I, had a, I had a buyer once who's like, I have to have this book. I was like, okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Okay. And, and pro- yeah. You know, and it props in general um, because it's the old jack of all trades, master of none. You know, director's like, what does a blood transfusion look like? You know, how does a nine millimeter handgun work? You know, um, there's, there's just mm-hmm. like all these questions. So you just research and research. And you, and if I think I'm the kind of person who can just absorb tons of information and, and just retain it for a long time. Um, I don't right. know. Yeah. Recall it. Recall <laughs> it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you just need so many different skills to be able to do it. Research is a huge, huge thing. Uh, and so that's one of the ways that um, being self-taught is just, it's, it's kind of how I got into everything in life, I think. And then all the other uh, uh, fabricators and, and people in the industry you run into, are, are they kind of coming from the same kind of background? Are there any sort of schools in Vancouver that a lot of the film industry draws from? There are a couple of film schools in Vancouver. Um, and some of my crew presently have, have gone to them. Um, I actually studied photography at Emily Carr. Uh, I know a lot of people 
who studied photography at Emily Carr, who ended up in the film industry. I think a good solid like sort of liberal arts or or fine arts background does set a person up to be able to um, work creatively. We have so many like mundane things that you need to take care of every day and you've got to deal with budgets and you got to work with materials and tool safety. But then the whole time you have to be thinking like, does this look cool? Is this going to be awesome? You know, like what, how's this, how's this going to work? So there's just a lot of different things. So I think that, um, that most of the people that I work with have had a lot of life experience and they are people who are able to balance between the creative and, and the practical, you know, you need to have a bit of both. And then does the union have uh, apprenticeships? Do they do people come up through the union learning the trade? Not really. I mean, the union here is a is a is an advocate for our our wages and our safety and our working conditions. But they're not an HR department, and they training training kind of happens after you get into the union. Um, and there isn't yeah. a lot of sort of craft training going on. People come from vastly different backgrounds. Um, a lot of the people that we're hiring now are, are are quite young. You know, they're in their like some of them are in their early twenties. They've just finished some college or they've been to Vancouver Film School. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's been quite interesting as as we've had to hire more and more people and and hire people who haven't been in the industry for very long at all. Uh, there is a lot of training. There's a lot of mentoring that you do. So yeah, that, I mean, part of the job is making sure the people you're working with are getting. You know, they know what to do. And if they don't know what to do, you have to show them. You know, the union has been really, really active. A lot of discussions during COVID about uh, what would constitute a safe workplace for us when we go back. We know that uh, the science is getting better around, you know, how it transmits. And that, that informs what we need to do in our daily practice to make sure that we're not, you know, being the vector, being the thing that transfers. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes in a, in a couple months when we truly get into filming. Should be interesting. And so is that IATSE Local 891? It's IATSE 891, yeah. So do they cover props and all other crafts as well? They do the majority of the of the craft in film industry in, in Vancouver. There's the DGC. That's the directorial staff and the production staff. Um, and then the Teamsters who, who drive. Other than that, IATSE has, you know, Suntech construction, special effects, office PAs, like they're, they're, they're quite a comprehensive union. So, and, uh, you know, they're really, really proactive with the safety. They're, they're actually, they're a really good, strong union here and they have a very amiable relationship with productions. Like, you know, everybody knows what's going on here. Everybody, everybody kind of knows how it goes. So, it's tough when, like, now that we're entering sort of a slim work period, um, there is a bit of negotiation to do when you're trying to hire, right? Um, you get kind of used to someone rocking up with a resume and they show you the 3D designs and you call the union hall and they're like, oh, yeah, there's no one available, bring them in. And you're like, yay, you know? Um, you get to the point where you're like, could you show someone how to do 3D design? You're like, ah, I don't know. I, uh... <laughs> The props department has changed so much. So many shows in town now are doing their own shops. You know, there's a huge sort of crew of builders that, that rolls around from show to show working in shops of various sizes. You know, there's a number of prop masters that have, have gone the way that I've gone. And, um, 
you know, it's some productions will pay construction rates and some will only pay props rates. So it's a bit of a gong show in that regard. You know, like it's hard. Every time you open up a shop, you have to advocate for, you know, what, what, what can you get the crew in the way of wages and stuff. So it's the only union that negotiates rates and then every employee negotiates their own deal. So it's a bit weird that way. It, it is a symptom of the fact that there's just way more jobs than workers in the film industry here most of the time. Huh. Well, I was going to ask you, where do you see the prop building going? But you already kind of talked about 3D printing in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. seems to be where a lot of it's going. Um, is there is there anything else you see sort of on the horizon that you're like uh, looking forward to? Any sort of changes in the industry that, that, that are coming down the bend? Well, one of the things I've noticed just with the seeing more costume designers working with like laser cutters and lamination and, and doing kind of like 3d printing on fabric with these like inks that build that give these crazy textures. I see this technology and design sort of infusing a lot of departments. And there's many, many projects where I'll be sitting down at the table with the costume department, um, the hair and makeup department, stunts and transport. And we'll all be sitting down and we'll all be talking about a design and how it meets everybody's requirements. I think that collaborative nature particularly in the world that I work in is becoming more and more important. It just, it saves so much on the day when everybody's on the same page and it's easier to have those renderings and tools and produce things faster. And the quality we're producing, what we're producing is very, very high. So I, I, you know, as, as crews change and you start working with new people and it's like, welcome to our show. And we're all going to sit there and talk about this. And they're like, no, I only do this. You guys only do that. And everybody kind of looks at each other and goes, well, we could do it this way. It's once they realize how that really collaborative effort, all they need to do is just speak to a project from their department's perspective. And we can solve a whole host of complexities once we get there. And so many department heads that I work with for the first time, they've just never been asked by another department, like, do you care about this? Right? I've been on features where like two mm -hmm. departments will show up with stuff for the exact same gag. And it'll be made, made off the same artwork and it looks pretty much the same. And you're just like, nobody talked. What? <laughs> like so funny. Yeah. Um, and, then, and the studios love it because it increases the, the quality of the product produced and it streamlines, it gets rid of redundancy. You know, one of the things we do with our 3D modeling when we design something and we work with the production designer and the showrunner and get it right. And then we fabricate it. And then we take that model that we drew and we tidy it up a little bit and we ship it to the visual effects department and the visual effects department doesn't mm -hmm. have to take photos or do a LIDAR scan or a light scan or whatever. And, right. and, yeah. and have to rebuild that entire thing. So it's just a lot of those things. They already, they already have that. Yeah. But it's very new for people to look at, this work that's being done and be like, Oh, we can do it this way. So um, I just see it going more and more like mm -hmm. that. And then you could send it off to the toy company and they could start making the toys straight off that file. I do. I get the emails from like marketing and promotions and they're like, <laughs> Hey, we heard so-and-so's got a new toy. Can you give us the file for that? And we're like, yeah, sure. So it's actually, it's not my file, right? It only belongs to the company the company says, give it up. So um, yeah, it's uh, uh -huh, yeah. It, it all gets very integrated. Well, it's interesting with the um, collaboration with the costumes, because especially there's so much of this kind of superhero stuff where the costumes and the props are so blended. I mean, you got people wearing armor and then parts of their costume yep. become props and everybody's got this like 
completely custom look and how you break that down between costume and props. If the departments were completely separated, that could be a nightmare. Yeah, so we work together and uh, we do lots of fittings. One of the things that I I did, we built a spacesuit for Raven on the 100, which was like such a fun build. Um, the, the, uh-huh. the showrunner said, make it bulky sexy. We were like, what is that? So we built it bulky, <laughs> but I don't know. Anyway, it was a fun build. And uh, immediately I was just like, I was like, the process is get a scan of the, of the person who's going to wear it cut a buck and get it hard coded and then everything you build can go onto this mannequin that's the exact dimensions of your actor and these tight suits and they got to wear them you know it, it lets you the harnessing and making stuff that's form fitting could just get a lot smaller um and then you're also they're in a f- suit that fits them pretty well on the first fitting and then from there you're just refining it because comfort is a huge issue in all these suits you know, when I watch Marvel movies, I'm just like, oh, those poor people. You see the suits they're wearing, right? And you just know, <laughs> you're like, you know. And, but I don't think they're, they're as torturous as they used to be because, you know, people design them in 3D and you can print them and shell them. And, mm-hmm. you know, we used to, you know, armor was like fiberglass yeah. and Bondo and vacuforms and rivets. And it was very, you know, it, it could really add up, you know. Remember they built a super soldier for Stargate on a 10 millimeter wetsuit once. We're shooting mm. it in summer in the forest in the sun. That stunt man, I see him from time to time. He still talks about it. It's like his battle story. That time he had <laughs> he's, still <laughs> he's still sweating. He's still sweating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's. I don't know. There was a time when, when 3D printers are coming out and people are like, oh, prop makers are going to go out of business. And I feel like the opposite's happened because, because now everything can be custom made now all of a sudden they want everything to be custom so before where it'd be like yeah you grab a lady's razor and you glue a button on it and that's the prop now it's like everything needs to be designed and custom and so there's more work for prop makers if they know how to use 3d printers or at least integrate 3d printing into their process you're actually right and you know people need to sand those prints and paint those prints and if there's electronics someone's got to build the board you know there's there's, it we we upped our game Mm -hmm. and i think the trade-off has been they're happy for it to go the way it's going because what they're getting is really good quality product that you know when you film it it looks cool it works really well um, there's yeah. lots of it, you know, they, they don't have to write to one or two builds an episode. And then if you're lucky, like I've been lucky that the shows and the, and the production team that I work for, when I raise the flag and I'd be like, well, it's too much. They're like, okay, fair enough. And so you can keep <laughs> it, you can kind of keep it in like a, keep it to a dull roar in the shop. You know, we'll be producing props each day sometimes literally to play the next day it's a production line like that um and when you're doing a nine ten month run you don't want to be doing overtime every day you don't want to be working on saturdays um it happens but uh people do need to have a life of some sort yeah 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 i thought it was interesting how uh you got into tv when you had kids usually people they have kids they find something outside of the entertainment industry <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, my, my wife is a teacher uh, so it's a very different vibe than than working in the film industry um mm-hmm. it, to be honest like i i don't think i could in my current life work on set you know we're doing mm-hmm. rotating 14-hour days monday morning you start at 6 a.m 
and you end at like 7 or 8 p.m. And then by Friday, you're starting at 4 p.m. And you're driving home when the sun's rising at like 6.30, 7, uh-huh. 8 in the morning, yeah. right? My set crew are superhuman. They really are. They're able to keep their wits about them, keep everything organized, and do it on the craziest hours. Uh, we do have a rotating crew um, that alternate some episodes. We found that on bigger shows, it's just too much for uh, one person to sort of hold everything down and get all the notes from all the meetings so we do alternate crew so that people in the prep phase can really get a handle on their episode take ownership of it and then go in and it means that both rotating crews need to communicate really well for all the continuity and things like that but uh that's that's sort of taking the pressure off a little bit that way yeah, that's great. Having a having a good team, you gotta have that. Yes, the uh, I, I, it, it's cool to think about like where the industry's going in Vancouver. Um, right now, everyone's everyone's just chomping at the bit to get back to work. Yeah, there's a feeling like if we get back and we do it right, it'll be really, really good for the industry here. Um, I feel like it could go either way, you know. Um, People are going to be chomping at the bit. People are going to want shows. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. got to make them. Somebody's got to so make them. We can like jump right in. When we do start work, it'll be in a very gradual fashion. Like we need to figure out. We we kind of have figured it, but we need to create systems and start figuring out the practical side of uh, like a physically distanced production. Um, our shop, we're going to completely take it apart. We're going to build. Uh, separated workstations for everybody. Right now we have these massive tables that everyone kind of like, literally communally works around. There's a 3D printing area. There's like a tool area mm-hmm. and stuff. But, but we generally have a big communal space where where everything kind of lands to work on. Um, we're going to have to break that up. Like we're going to install a small uh, sort of photo video studio uh, so we can do our show and tells remotely. We can create a sense for everybody what they're going to get. Usually it's a smaller room where we pack all the props for an episode in and the writers want to come and everyone wants to come and see the props and it gets really crowded and there's just no world where we can actually do that in a workplace right now. Yeah. So we'll start by reorganizing and put everything, putting all the systems in place. And, you know, I've been told there won't be as many background, which for my set crew would be like, yeah, who, you know, no more 300 people on a sidewalk carrying briefcases and umbrellas. Right, yeah. If they come, they'll come with instructions to bring a dark-colored umbrella and a dark-colored briefcase. And then we'll carry a couple of clear umbrellas if the director wants to have light come through instead. Um, so, yeah, we're just we've, we're figuring out how we're going to get it done. And I think Vancouver, the, every department has had the same discussion. I was talking to all the other department heads. They're like, everyone was bored, so they just started these Zoom groups. And it's like, okay, what's our new working practices? And then the health authorities just released all of the uh, guidelines for the producers. So each production creates their own safety plan. They're not dictating anything to us. There just needs to be certain guidelines adhered to. So it's actually quite loosely defined. Um, but they've really put it on everybody to figure out how to how to do it. And if you don't do it right, they'll shut you down. So that's where it could kind of go either way, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. if, And the thing is, we won't know if we're doing a, if If we do a good job, nothing will happen, right? Yeah. There'll be no- There'll be no cases where if there is a case, it doesn't run through the crew. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, it's like, Oh yeah, it should be, should be interesting. But with all the, all the streaming services, I mean, there's, there's like so much being made now. It feels like when it comes back, I mean, there's going to be plenty to choose from. 
I just, I still hear, I, I, before it all happened, I was hearing stories in New York city of, of prop rental places. They don't have any stock because everything's rented out. Cause there's so many shows. It was like that here. There was like 36 IA productions shooting at once. I think at one point it was over 40 unheard of, like it's just massive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when we shut down, we shut down. It was like, they're yeah. we're like, do we return the props? And they're like, well, if the rental house wants it, the rental houses were like, nope, we'll talk to you when you're back. And so everything, like every production just screeched to a halt. So, you know, and we'd prepped our final two episodes. We were ready to go. Um, And then we've had a change of actor over the hiatus. I don't know if you heard. Yeah. I'm as out of the loop as anybody about how that's actually Uh (laughs) going to resolve story-wise. I was like, but it is the DC universe. So I kind of sigh of relief when I was like, you know, it's... It's the CWDC universe. Anything is possible. Right, yeah. Like, anything yeah. is possible. And our writers are, like, superb yeah. writers. It's like, what they did in the first season, I'm like, they can write their way out of this. No problem. Um, I like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just make this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, with all the kind of timelines and uh, multiple universes. Yeah, timelines, multiple universes. Um, I know that uh, the crossovers were 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 quite something having five productions come together and block shoot, which means you don't shoot anything concurrently. You just shoot it as per location or cast or on a particular day. Um, yeah, we had, mm-hmm. we had, I think four unique sets of Batwoman equipment um, that were, there was like a hero, a double and a stunt version in each kit. And we had people tasked with like following the actor around to the different shows and units and i it was it was a logistical it was it was logistically it was like amazing i could um, imagine yeah yeah did I, the did the crews combine or did they were they divided up by location they were divided by show me like you... so each each show had their own hour okay um but that mm-hmm. that kind of that pretty much held the whole way through um i i was on mm-hmm. another show's set um, and watch them film all of the sequences for an entire episode on one set in one take. And there was probably five or six visual cues, visual effects cues of people disappearing and lightning bolts coming out of hands and strange apparitions appearing and all of this happening. Um, like five or six of these beats in each scene. Um, and they choreographed mm-hmm. all of it and shot it all. It was about an eight or nine minute take and they did it three times. And uh, at the end, everybody wow. just lost it cheering. And I was just like, you didn't have to do it like that, but that's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> like, you actually, and it just made it, it actually just made it way easier because there was just all these entrances and exits and someone just mapped it and they just played it out. So um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a fun, those shows are really fun to work with. Like um, one of my builders, my sort of foreman from season three of the hundred, he's the prom master on Supergirl now. Um and then my assistant prop master from the hundred, she did the pilot on Batwoman. And I said to the designer, who was the designer on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I said, you know, Keej would make an excellent prop master. It was literally like two days, Keej comes to me and she's like, I'm sorry, you know, I just took a job as a prop master on Sabrina. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're with good people, you'll have fun. Yeah. So um, it's a big industry here, but it sometimes it feels quite small. You know, like, um, yeah, when you, when you have so many people that, you know, all working 
through the industry on different shows. And then, you know, yeah, a couple of the prop masters on like uh, the prop master on the flash, Rob Smith. Um, he was one of my mentors for prop mastering. You know, he, he showed me all his paperwork mm-hmm. and he gave me, you know, he just brought me in to buy and gave me weird jobs. And I was just like, thank you, man. He's like showed me everything. <laughs> and uh, so it was right. fun to go back and work with him and coordinate, you know, even then he was like, he phoned me up and he's like, so you're doing this thing with us. Yeah. He gave me like a bunch of great advice. I was like, Thank you. He's like, hire more people. Don't have them do anything but follow your gear around. I was like, well, that sounds like a lot of extra work. He's like, do it. Just do it. It's their work, not yours. Anyway. Yeah. So it, it's a great community here. Like it really is. Um, and I feel extremely fortunate, extremely fortunate to be able to ended up where I ended up working with the people that I work with and doing what I do. Like didn't know it was in the cards, but really man, I just, I just nothing else I'd want to do. I'm kind of stoked, right? Like, I, um, even if it changes, even if you know, the industry changes, you know, I, I'm just I'm really happy that I got to do that. Yeah, that's great. And I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So thank you so much, Paxson, for joining us this week. Well, it was my pleasure, Eric. It was, uh, it was really fun to, you know, take a trip down memory lane, think about it all. Uh, and if you want to check out any of his work, I mean, Batwoman season one is out. The hundred season seven is currently airing, I believe still. It is currently airing. Yeah. And of course, all these other shows that you heard are available in some fashion online. So until next time, uh, we'll be seeing you. Thanks again. And thank you everybody for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Silk Mache and email us questions or ideas at propspodcast at gmail.com. And subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And check out our website at silkflowersandpapiermachehearts.com, where you can find all of our old episodes. This has been another episode of Silk Flowers and Paper Mache Hearts with your hosts, Eric Hart and Ashley Flowers. We'll see you next time.